Um, you know, I want to talk about the idea of new. New. And God always is doing something new. And so, um, you know, the idea of new is something that I think some of us embrace better than others. Would you agree with that? I mean, there's some people, um, you know, I'm, I may have some clothes like that. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm starting to look a little bit more like my dad. But my dad has got like, he still has the suit that he wore when I got married. It will be 35 years in May. 35 years. How can you have like a suit after 35 years that's still in the same shape? And he still fits in it. That's like, that's an amazing, it's a miracle. Um, but, I mean, it's incredible. And so for him, he's not very concerned with that. You know, by the way, if you are in the business of renewing your fashion all the time and buying new things, you may want to take, you know, you know, get a couple of those plastic bins, put all your old clothes in there, put them in the attic, and in five years, just go and revisit the attic. Because you'll probably have, like, brand new clothes that everybody will say, wow, where did you get that? I've had it for five years. <laughs> Don't tell them. Uh, but, you know, fashion renews itself all the time, buying new things, new clothes, you know. And, you know, there's some people nowadays that enjoy the collection of records. You know, I mean, digital music is amazing. And yet, there's some people that love to have, you know, go back to the old vinyl idea. I know my daughter has got quite the collection of vinyls. And, um, and I know maybe some of you have a collection of vinyls. How many of you have a collection of vinyls? I don't know. Let's see. Well, there's two, three, four. Oh, there's a few people. There you go. Catherine must have a big collection. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. You know, that's, that's great, right? But that is something that everybody appreciates, that enjoys that. You know what? I want to keep some of that stuff going on in my life. Now, there's some that love their cars. They drive them to the ground. Some people, every three, five years, they got to have a new car. Some people like to buy homes. Buy a home, renovate a home, sell a home, get a bigger home. I don't know. Whatever it is. But, you know, there's a unique aspect to the concept of new. Now, we live in a day that I think some have coined a new normal. Now, can I be honest for a minute? Would you mind? Would you guys mind if I'm honest for a minute? Say yes, David. You can be honest. Please. Please say yes, David. Be honest. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I don't like this new normal. I don't know about you. It doesn't sit very well with me. I... You know, I don't think that, you know, uh, wearing masks for an indeterminate period of time, uh, being told where you can go, where you cannot go, where you, when you should buy, when you cannot buy, um, all those things just don't sit very well with me. I don't know about you, but I'm just, I just want to be honest about it for a minute. Now... Those very people who preach that new normal, that that new normal is the right normal, are the very ones that would want every single believer silenced. They want the ones that, they're the ones that will say, shut down every church, stop talking about Jesus. I mean, nowadays you can't even post anything on YouTube that actually talks about Jesus being a healer, because that's just, Unheard of. So we're living in a society that has changed the concept of this new. And we're like, we're told that we have to embrace this new normal. 
I don't think so. You know, history tells us that evil regimes that often were outnumbered by the masses were actually able to impose their will on the people. You know how? By what? Fear. 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 The new normal could be actually coined, let's just make everybody afraid. Let's just continuously talk about getting sick and doing this and that and the other so that everyone will just lock themselves in the house, not ever go out, not have interactions, et cetera, et cetera. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not telling you today that, you know, what we're facing, that COVID is not a real thing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about there's a spirit behind what is being coined today as a new normal that would seek and want to, first of all, keep us in isolation and destruction. But also there's another thing that it's doing. And it's this. I believe that it is causing more disruption and more disunity, especially in this place, in the body of Christ. Because you know what? If we can pick at each other and try to figure out, well, he's right, he's wrong, she's right, I'm wrong. And we get so busy spinning our wheels around what is not important that we lose sight of what is truly is important. Fear and anxiety are the devil's tool to inflict disruption and destruction into our lives. New beginnings in so many ways have or imply when you begin something that is the end of something else. Think about it for a moment. New beginnings imply the end of something else. Now when Christ came into our hearts. We stopped some of the old patterns of living. I know, I remember when I was 17 years old and I recommitted my life to Christ because I realized that I was not living right. I needed Jesus in my life. And I don't know about you today. I don't know where you're at in your life. But I want you to know that if Jesus is not the Savior of your life, if Jesus is not ruling in your life, you're missing a very important aspect of your very existence. And so at the age of 17, I realized that I needed to get back into what my dad and my mom had brought me to church when I was 12. I had accepted Christ, but I kind of like went away and I wanted to party and do my things. But, you know, when I got back into the arms of Jesus at, at that age, something happened in my life. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says that if any man and if, if any woman is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Behold, the new. You know, some of us, and this is interesting because Angela mentioned that when we close worship, is that there are aspects of our lives that God wants to transform that we keep on bringing up. You know, Jesus wants the old man buried, and we keep on resurrecting him. We do that all the time. And God cannot work with all mindsets and the old man that is inside of us. Some of us may want to protect our old ways of doing things. 
protect what they seem or what you perhaps you deem to be so important in your life. Now, in the book of Acts, we have a, a, an example of that. In the book of Acts, the Jews wanted to protect their traditions. Until God gave Peter a vision. And until God knocked Paul off a horse and got him saved. And Paul's mission was to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Right? Now, the Jews, what were they protecting? They were protecting by the law. You must be circumcised. You must do this. You, gotta, you have to sacrifice animals in order to approach God and to be sanctified with God. It was a very difficult concept for them to grasp. That now they would no longer need to come to an altar and bring the animal uh, and to sacrifice an animal. Sprinkle, sprinkle the blood of a ram or, or a bull or whatever it might be that God was requiring. And that now they needed to apply the blood of Jesus. Imagine that for a moment. That's a very foreign concept. And so they wanted to protect what they thought was very, very important to them. Now, I thank God that the message of the gospel came to us, the Gentiles, right? We are the, the new Israel, right, in God. And thank the Lord that he has brought salvation to each and every one of us. I believe that, uh, that God uh, cannot simply be reached by works if you in your life, you believe that in order to get to God, you need to do so many things. You need to uh, perform this action. You need to read the Bible, you know, so many chapters every day. You need to sing three songs and you need to come to church. And that is your act of worship that brings you to heaven. Um, good luck. Because you know what? The Bible says that it is not by merits. Why? Lest any man should what? Boast. Because if I can actually come to Jesus on my own merits, well, wait a second, God, I have read five chapters today, and I've, I've worshipped, you know, and I even cried, and I'm like, oh, I, I felt, and I felt your presence. I, that's wonderful. I'm not saying that we shouldn't read the Bible and, and worship and pray. But if the reason behind is so that we can get God's approval, then that's not the way it works. Because the gift of God is by grace through faith. It is by grace through faith. And it's got nothing to do with you and I and what we want. I truly believe that this is a time for the church to rise up to new levels. I believe that God is reconstructing, reshaping what church should be truly like. And that means that when we come to church, guys, each and every one of us, we have something to bring. And I'm not just talking about an offering. I'm not talking about $20. I'm talking about offering God something that, that is birthed from the inside of us when we come into the presence of God. I believe that God is reshaping, reconstructing. And even as a church, today for us marks the beginning of, uh, you know, weekly services, right? If you have been with us for, uh, you know, a... Uh, 
a, a couple of months, you know that we used to have uh, every other Sunday, we would get together into smaller groups we call collectives. Collectives are not going away. In fact, if you are not part of a collective, we want you to be part of a group. These are house churches. There are fellowships. There are, there are community groups. There are powerful. I mean, if you're in a, in a collective right now, come on, let me show you. Look at that. Just look around, guys. See that? The majority. And some of you are going to start one. Some of you are, like, going to get involved in one. And I, we encourage each and every one of you to do it because life is best lived in smaller communities. Amen? You believe that? Are you with me this morning? Are you awake? Is there still coffee back there? <laughs> but this has been a hard season. It has been a hard season. You know, between political upheaval, conspiracy theories, everyone wanting to be a medical expert, everyone else being a backyard theologian knowing exactly the timelines and what God is doing and so on and so forth. Why attend church? Why even go to church at all? Why give to God? Why not just keep it all for me? Fear, anxiety, rampant. There's so much that's going on and we have got to make a return to Jesus and start a new fresh way where nothing else matters but Jesus himself. That's it. That's it. In the midst of this mess, God does not cease to birth new things, new ways, new strategies. And he wants us to experience everything that his word declares for each and every one of us. The Christian life should never be a life of boredom, but a life of excitement and newness. And you know what? Somebody said... God is not boring. You are. And I agree. God is not boring. We are. We are boring. We don't understand the principle of what God wants to do. And so the Christian life should be a life of excitement. I want to share with you a verse as our primary text today. It's found in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 19. And it says this. See, I am doing a new thing. I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm going to read that again. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I want to share with you three concepts quickly about new. Number one, new always starts with God. It always starts with God. You know, the verse that we, we read says, see, I am doing. Who's I am here? Who's the I am? Who is the I am? See, I, God is saying, I am doing something new. This is not about a personality. This is not about an individual. We're talking about the King of Kings. We're talking about the Lord of Lords. We're talking about the Master of the Universe. And I'm not talking about He-Man, in case you're wondering. We're talking about the one, you're, kind of, you're like, what, what's he talking about? You know what I'm talking about, He-Man? Oh, never mind. 
I'll, I'll tell you after. We're talking about the one who knows it all, owns it all. That life, the very life that we breathe, that, that the air that we breathe comes from God. That is the one. You know, in God, there is newness of life. And I want to tell you this. When God does something new, he does it well. How many of you get recalls from your cars? All of us. Just got a new one this week. Come in. We need to update this airflow filter. I'm like, okay, wow. They're apparently upgrading an airflow filter. Doesn't mean that I'm like, I'm going to choke to death in the car one day. I don't know. What is going on? There's always something new. If you have a computer, you get new service packs, new upgrades all the time. Why? Because what we as humans make is imperfect, is incomplete. But what God makes is perfect and it is complete and there's absolutely nothing that needs to be upgraded from God's original design. New is God's specialty, guys. It is what he does best. And so let me share with you some verses. Some of them may be up, some of them may not. I'm going to quickly given to you. First of all, he makes us a new creation. I read that before. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17, it says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are past. Behold, the new has come. That's what God does. He's also given us a new nature. Nature. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 24, it says, And to put on the new self or the new nature that is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You know what? God wants us to clothe ourselves with Him because it is by His grace and by the promises of His word that we can actually become new individuals that walk in righteousness, that walk in holiness. Because you know what? You and I will never accomplish righteousness and holiness out of our own merits and out of our own doing. We need Jesus to make us righteous and make us holy. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 17, it says that he is making us into new wineskins where he can pour his spirit into us. And it says this, neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. You know, God wants to do something very powerful in these days. And he desires to take us. Sometimes old wineskins need to be treated with oil. What's the oil in the Bible? What is that a reference of? The Holy Spirit. When he pours his spirit into us, that those maybe dried up wineskins will begin to become supple and smooth and soft again so that he can pour the wine of his presence and of his spirit back into us. And we become vessels that can actually contain the presence of God. We need the Holy Spirit. And that's what he does. He makes us into new wineskins. He's also given us a new command. In John chapter 13 and verse 14, 34, it says this. A new command I give you. Love 
one another. Love one another. God, that sometimes is so simple yet so complicated. Because we look at each other and we see all of the failures and the faults and the things that we wish. We wish that somebody would not be a certain way. Well, they look at us and they say, I wish you were not a certain way. And so we keep on struggling back and forth with, I want you to be a certain way. I want you to be. God accepts us just as we are. We are to accept each other and love each other just as we are. It is one of the most beautiful things when we as believers, brothers and sisters, truly accept one another in love as we are. I want you to know this morning that as far as I am concerned, I love you just the way you are. I'm so glad for you. I'm so glad that Jesus made you the way you are. I'm so happy that God poured the gifts that he has poured into you because without you, I cannot be complete. And without me, you cannot be complete. The Bible talks about the body of Christ, the church, as an imperfect body in so many ways, right? We're not perfect. We haven't attained perfection. He's perfecting us. He's making us. He's maturing us in him. But there's one beautiful thing about it is that each and every one of us holds a very specific and important role in the body of Christ. And so you are needed. You are needed. You are needed. I am needed. All of us create this beautiful synergy in the body of Christ that becomes a blessing to each and every one of us. In Hebrew chapter 8, verse 8, talks about the fact that he has made a new covenant with us. It says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people. He wants to make a new covenant with us. He's made a new covenant with us. You know, I want you to know that when God makes a covenant, it is more than just a simple word, I'm going to do this for you. It is a promise. And God never, ever, ever, ever goes back on his promises. A covenant is a very powerful thing. In Mark 16, he also says that he has blessed us with new tongues. He says in chapter 16, verse 17, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. And in my name, they will speak new tongues. Now, I don't know where you are in your belief system about speaking new tongues. It is a heavenly language. It is a spiritual language. It is one of those things that when we speak in a heavenly language, in our prayer language, that the enemy cannot understand what we're saying, that's probably one of the best ways to pray. In Romans, it talks about the fact that when you don't know what to pray, the Spirit in us intercedes for us with groanings, maybe with words that cannot be spoken because you and I wouldn't be able to repeat what we are hearing. But we are speaking mysteries the Bible says, as we are speaking in this new language. At the end of the age, the Bible talks about 
the fact that there will be a new Jerusalem that will come from I mean, guys, I could go on and on and on through the scriptures about concepts of new, new things. I mean, there's, the Bible talks about there's a new name that is written down when we accept Christ. There's a new name that is given to each and every one of us. And that new name is written in God's book. And one day we're going to be called. You know, the roles are going to be called. David Coletta. Here I am. Walking right in. It's powerful, powerful, new. God specializes in making things new. Maybe you are struggling to let go of old patterns today. Maybe you're looking at your life and you're saying, man, I have, when you look at yourself and you look at your life, can you be honest and say, I have old patterns? I maybe have old friends that are just not, no good for me that I need to let go. I have old habits that I need to let go of. What is it in your life right now? If you were to stop and say, mm, I know that. I need to let go of that. I cannot continue doing that. I cannot continue living that way. I cannot continue hanging out with these people. What is it that is hindering you from growing in the ways of God just the way that he would want you to? What are you clinging on to? You know, some of us also hang on to old-time blessings, right, when it comes to the church. Well, brother, I remember in 1976 when the Lord touched my life. In 1976, we're like in 2021. When's the last time God touched your life? Was that 1976? Because you can't live with a 1976 blessing. We need new blessings, fresh blessings from God today. We can hang on to God's promises way from way in the past. We got to let go and receive new and fresh. God might be telling you to move on, and you're still hanging on. Time to move on. You know, as I was preparing this sermon, at one point I felt the Holy Spirit stop me and say, I want you to say this for somebody. So I don't know who this is for. But I want to tell you what God mentioned to me. He says, remind some of my people that I am not done with them yet. Now, you may be looking at your life in very simple, one narrow way street. And you're looking at yourself and you say, wow, you know what? I, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not growing. I'm not moving forward. What's, I don't know what's going on. And you maybe have given up, and you maybe feel disillusioned, and you feel discouraged. I want you to know that God is not done with you. Some of you may have given into discouragement, feeling that there's no hope, feeling perhaps that the promises that God gave you are no longer valid for you today. I want you to know that God is not done with you. He is not done with you. And something new is on the horizon. And so if you keep on pressing forward and you keep moving ahead, God will open that new door for your life that you have been hoping he would open for you. The second thing about new is that God's idea of new is completely different than my idea of new. Completely different. Now, I think it's safe to say that our idea of new and God's idea of new are diametrically opposed to each other. In our text in Isaiah 43 and verse 19, God asks this question. He says, do you not perceive? 
I'm doing something new. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? Do you not understand? Do you know? Do you not understand what's going on here? Now, that Hebrew word is the Hebrew word teduah, which means to see, to perceive, to discern, to be acquainted with in an experiential manner. It's something new that you experience. Now, it also comes from another word that probably we have heard before, and it's the word yada. The word yada in the Old Testament is the word for knowing, to perceive experientially, to know. It's actually the same word that's used you know, in a relationship between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. They know each other. When Adam knew Eve, that's what they meant, that they were intimately connected with each other. They had a sexual relationship that, that was something that united them. They made two into one. You know, for some of us, the idea of new is not based on divine principles. It's not necessarily based on the Word of God. But it's based on our own concept. We look for so many, so many times when we think of new, we think of something that's shiny, that's new. Kind of like when you go and you buy a brand new car out of a, uh, you know, and you drive it out of a, a, out of a dealership and something unique about that car. I mean, I've never bought a brand new car. But, you know, I'm, I'm told that when you buy a brand new car, it smells like, new. it smells new. All that leather, the, you know, everything is like shiny, it's perfect, it's beautiful. You know what? That's not the idea of new in God. Because you know what? New in God is messy sometimes. New is messy. Is it can be messy. Let's put it that way. You know, if you're watching this uh, after and maybe somewhere else other than Charlotte, North Carolina, here in Charlotte, there are people nowadays because of shortage of homes. They will actually go buy a house. They love where the house is, but it's like way too much work. So they'll just tear it down, knock it down, and build a new house on top of it. It's incredible. That's the idea of new that a lot of people have. You know, I'm also told that when you have bone-to-bone -bone kind of connections in your body, I was talking to a, a precious brother just this week. It was telling me, he says, my hip is like bone-to-bone, -bone and I need to have surgery. And, and I heard, I don't know how many of you have gotten hip surgery, but I'm told that that is actually like a miraculous thing for people. It's like I could barely walk or stand more than five minutes. And when I, get that I got that surgery, it was like, wow, I got a new steel hip. It's like amazing. It's great. You can actually move. Now, when, uh, when you think, when you consider the new, when you consider that in order for you to stand, you need to get a new hip, that includes what? It includes surgeries. It includes cutting. It includes some rehabilitation. It includes all those things that we don't like because we love and, and appreciate something new that we don't have to do any major thing about. We don't have to do anything. It just, you know, you step into God says new, boom, here it is, brand new car. 
You're the winner of a brand new life. And it doesn't work that way. Because you know what? God often wants to go into those areas of our lives that we're trying to resurrect, that we're trying to bring back and actually remove some things that shouldn't be there. In John chapter 15 and verse 2, it reminds us that God will prune. He will cut off. He will remove those areas of our lives, those branches that have grown that are not producing fruit. Man, we don't like to hear that. I want you to know that I absolutely do not like when God puts me face to face with the reality of those areas of my life that need transformation. I mean, do you like it? Come on. Let's be honest. None of us appreciate when God's pruning scissors come and start taking off areas of our lives that should not be there, that are not producing life, areas of our lives that are tripping us up, things that are just hindering us. We don't like it. You know, a wise brother uh, mentioned to me this week this. He said, you know, the new often starts with a return to ancient truths. And I appreciated that. It, it, you know, we, if we go back to the ancient truth of the Word of God, and the Bible does say that pruning is actually something that is beneficial to us, <coughs> excuse me, then I want God to prune my life. I want God to eliminate from my life those areas, those things that are not producing fruit. You see, we all love the promotion. We all love the upgrade. But you can't be promoted and you cannot receive an upgrade until you've allowed God to prune your life and until that pruning becomes a blessing and you acknowledge it. We all want it. I mean, we, God, I'm, I'm ready for the new. I mean, I'm, I, I want it. And God is saying, wait a minute. Before I can give you the promotion, I need to prune some things. I need to cut some stuff out of your life. You know what? A good father will always speak truth to his son. And our heavenly father is speaking truth even right now to each and every one of us. And he wants us to go to him and say, yes, Lord, remove from me those areas that are not producing fruit. God is looking for a bride that is passionately in love with him. People that will seek his presence above anything else, not out of obligation, but because they love him. God is looking for sold out sons and daughters, friends of Jesus who love him, who love his family, who love the lost and dying world and are willing to give themselves out. For the sake of Jesus. That ought to be you and me. That should be our desire. Lastly, God's new demands a new heart and a new spirit. In the same verse that we read in Isaiah 43, there's, if you back it up to Isaiah 42 verse 9, it says this. See, the former things have taken place. And... New things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. I love this. Let me paraphrase it this way. Everything that I have prophesied has come 
to pass. And now I am prophesying new things to you before they happen so that you may know that the new is coming. Paraphrased. This is the, I don't know, there's a Passion Translation. There's also a David Coletta Translation. I don't know if you've ever seen it. You probably won't see it. Uh, but that's my interpretation of this in day-to-day -day language. That God is actually wanting to show us what he wants to do. He wants to reveal his secrets to us. So that we may embrace what he wants to do in our midst. And not just be reluctant about it. But be excited about what God is desiring to do in this day. God can trust us. If we are humble in humility toward him. So here's the question for all of us. Can God trust you? Can he trust me? Can our hearts and our spirits be in tune with his voice? Aligned to his will. Calibrated to his plans. Each and every one of us this morning has to answer that question. Am I in that place with God that he can trust me with his secrets? That he can trust me with that new that he wants to pour on the earth today? That's why it's so important for us to allow God to do that surgery. To perform those acting of pruning inside of us for those things that are not producing fruit for him. Let me close by sharing these scriptures. Ezekiel chapter 11 verse 19 says, I will give them, and actually there's, a, there's three of them that I put there so that you will see. That's pretty important if God says it three times in the same, by the same prophet, almost identical words. I will give them an undivided heart. And I will put a new spirit in them. Don't you want a new spirit? Don't you want a new spirit? I want a new spirit. I will remove from them their heart of stone. And I will give them a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36. Very similar words. And I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone. And give you a heart of flesh. And then. Ezekiel 18, and I love this one. It says, rid yourself of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. How many of you know that offenses are tightly connected with a renewed heart and spirit? We can't carry those things. Guys, God wants to prune, right? We've been talking about pruning and cutting and removing those things that hinder us. Offenses are some of those things. Probably one of the most important things, if Ezekiel deemed it so important and necessary to mention it, that if we allow offenses that have either been committed toward us or that we have committed to others, that those very things... Those very offenses will become a hindrance for us to receive a new heart and a new spirit. The decision is with each and every one of us. God knows the pain and the difficulties of what it means when we allow offenses to reside in our hearts in such a way that they become 
bitterness and they take root inside of us. And he does not want that. God will bring the new when we are willing to let go of the old. God will bring the new when we are willing to let go of what hinders us in running the race. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, I think we all know that scripture, that we are encouraged to, since we're surrounded by your crowd, let us throw off, right? Let us throw off those things that, that hinder us, the sin that so easily entangle us, and let us run the race with perseverance, with perseverance. God wants to do great and mighty things in each and every one of us. Let me conclude with this scripture. Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 10. This is a powerful scripture. It says, you will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. God wants us to make room for the new. You know, you may still enjoy the harvest of yesterday's blessings that you've received. Yesterday's harvest. And you may have a room full of blessings. And you know what? And that's a good thing. You, we have been blessed beyond measure. We have been blessed beyond our own ability to actually withstand all the blessings of God. But at some point, what this verse is saying is that you're going to have to move out the old blessings and make room for the new. We got to make room for the new. Because God has got new things for you. I want you to look at the person next to you and tell them, make room for the new. Make room for the new. I don't know what that is in your life. I don't know what it is that you have been praying for, that you have been asking God for. I don't know what it is, but I know one thing. That as a church, we want to see new things in God. That means that we, we, we're passionate about His presence. We want more of His presence. New levels of His presence. We're passionate about seeing people saved and delivered and healed. We're passionate. We want to see new experiences. New things taking place. New lives transformed. I mean, there's so much that God can offer each and every one of us. We cannot sit in a room full of blessings and look around and say, wow, I am so blessed. Because you know what? The scripture says, make room for the new. Are you ready to make room for the new in your life? If you are, that means that God has to cut some things. Maybe give your broom to clear the room so that you can receive new. Would you stand with me for a moment, please?